Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome back to a playoff stretch episode of Swings and Mishes. It's nice to be saying that here on a Friday morning. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined as always by Craig Mish. Craig, how are you doing this week? I'm doing very well. Happy Jewish New Year to you, Jeremy, and everyone else yeah. out there who is uh, who is listening to the show this weekend. And certainly that uh, that uh, it's a different year for this, for sure, of of being able to attend services and things of that nature. And mm-hmm. for me personally, the the hard part for me is you know the Marlins being in a postseason race and me not being able to attend the games <laughs> on Friday and Saturday, and then their final game is Sunday. But here we go. This is the final home stand of the Marlins in 2020. Yeah, Shana to you, Craig. And uh, we're coming off a, a series loss for the Marlins, unfortunately, against the Red Sox. They dropped two out of three. Now they've got five with the Washington Nationals, who are in last place in the NL East. And to give you guys some perspective as to where things are at, the Marlins are currently the fifth best team in the National League in terms of standings. They are the second place team in the National League East, which would be an automatic in into the playoffs. They are a half game better than the San Francisco Giants, who are the first wild card. They are a game and a half better than the Phillies, who are the second wild card. And so right now, the Marlins would go out to San Diego for a three-game series in the division series if the playoffs started today. So the Marlins have a big five games coming up with the Nationals here, Craig, to try to gain some distance on those wild card teams, cement themselves further into a playoff spot. How do you see this series playing out, and what's important for the Marlins to make it work? Certainly the Red Sox series was disappointing, and it just kind of shows you that while the Marlins are making a lot of strides, it's one of those deals where it's cliche, but your record is really what it is. They're going to have some good series. They're going to have some bad series. But for me, the key was the last week of really beating up on the Phillies, and that sort of, for me at least, cemented the idea that they are a very much potential postseason team. Uh, the Phillies have gone on from uh, South Florida to really struggle again bullpen-wise and are uh, you know, almost on the outside looking in uh, at mm. the postseason at this point. They just keep blowing leads, and that's been really good for the Marlins. And why is that good? Well, that secures the National League East second seed, essentially, and that puts them in the five spot. The Phillies would certainly have to immediately pick things up, and, and they have all kinds of injury issues, not just with their hitters, but also with their starting pitchers as well. So Philly is going to try and sneak in that eight spot. Remember, the St. Louis Cardinals are behind the Phillies, and if if I'm not mistaken, they're going to have to play a doubleheader on not the final game of the season, but the day after the season ends to see if they can mm-hmm. get in. I think they may end up having to win both games of their doubleheader at this pace to overtake the Phillies. And wouldn't that be something if the Phillies didn't make it at all? But, but I think that that's winning five out of, out of seven from Philadelphia kind of cemented that spot for me, at least. And I know that there's still a week to go, but that's sort of the way that I see it. And as we get closer, Jeremy, and we figure out exactly who they play, of course, we are going to be here for you every day of mm-hmm. the postseason, as long as the Marlins are still in this thing and breaking down all the games. Maybe we'll do some live streaming as well do our own very, uh, you know, post games and things like that. But uh, for that's where we're at for the time being. They have the Nationals ahead of them. The Nationals, remember, last season were in this almost identical spot, and that's kind of where we're at. I mean, this is May of 2019, and remember, mm-hmm. right after May, the Nationals went on a tear, and you're just kind of hoping that that's not going to be the case yeah. this weekend against the Marlins. But certainly, with the amount of games that are left at this point, it would 
honestly have to be a disaster at this point for Miami not to make the postseason. They would have to go on uh, a very epically bad run to not make it, provided that they play about 500 the rest of the way this weekend and next week. I believe we're going to see the Marlins in the postseason for the first time in 17 years. The craziest part is that there are multiple different options here for the Marlins and that if there's this epic collapse, they can miss the postseason. And on, on the flip side, you got five games with the Nationals this weekend and then four with the Braves. You're only three back of Atlanta. So so the Marlins probably in their own heads are trying to make a sort of push there. I don't necessarily see it, uh, but that's probably what's at the forefront of their minds is let's go catch Atlanta. Yeah, and they, and they should feel that way. And, and I see it the same way as you. I, look, in 2003, I didn't think that they were going to get on the run that they did. And then uh, I felt good about I remember back in 2003, I felt really good about them until they got to the World Series. And I thought, my gosh, they're going to play the Yankees. There's just no way. And then I was proven wrong there. I, I would never have picked. I, I, I really, you know, seeing the team every day in 2003, I definitely felt that there was a chance they could get to the World Series. And then once they got there, it was like they were playing with house money at that point. Right. And and, and just kept going. And, and look, Josh Beckett was that guy then. Maybe Sixto Sanchez is that guy now that can just right. keep throwing. I, I don't know how they're going to approach this, but certainly that looks like it could be. Uh, look, the Braves are about to get everyone back next week. Uh, they're getting back their pitching. Max Fried is going to come back. Fulton Awich is is looking better at their alternate site, from what I understand. And, and look, those, I mean, those players are 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 not, you know, Max Scherzer, and they're not Clayton Kershaw. But you know, the Braves have not been healthy like the Marlins for a lot of a lot of the season. They missed Acuna, they missed Albies, and they had the issues at the beginning with Freddie Freeman. Marquez opted out, then he came back, mm. and their pitching has been an absolute mess. But look, no one's making any excuses. The Marlins have the ultimate excuse of losing 13, uh, 18 players and then still getting in this thing. But that's just, you know, speaking from a realistic point of view, I think the Marlins are going to end up as the two seed in the East. They still could certainly win, but I believe they'll probably have to sweep the Braves in Atlanta to be the number one in the in the East. Right. And, and you know, this team goes forward here in these five games. And I know that, you know, last night there were some complaints about the umpires as there have been sort of echoing throughout this season uh, on, on Marlins Twitter. Uh, Craig, you know, things have been, uh, let's be honest, inconsistent from umpires throughout this season. I think it's hard when we're all seeing the box up on the screen and watching umpires be shown up sort of in real time. But on the same note, what are your thoughts about sort of umpires deciding games here with the Marlins? Yeah, the the umpires have had a tough year, and and I think that you're seeing it all over the league. You've had some replacements. You've also have to understand that very similarly to a spring training, there was a restart. The umps needed that time as well. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the criticism for umpires, especially this year, has been fair. I, I think that that what we're seeing, especially on Miami's side at this point, is we're seeing when the Marlins win at least from my perspective, no one talks about the umpires. And when the mm-hmm. Marlins lose, it seems to be an excuse. And for anybody listening to this podcast that is blaming the umpires and is screenshotting the umpires and is constantly bringing that up, I mean, that is loser's talk. I mean, seriously. Like, it is happening all over the league. And there was a spot in the Red Sox game where Matt Barnes in the ninth inning threw an absolute strike right over the middle Mm -hmm. to Chad Wallach. And it was called a ball. And Wallach on, I think, two pitches later, 
almost yanked one opposite field over the wall. It went almost to the warning track. That's just one example. Mm -hmm. If you're following this on both sides, you're going to see it on both sides. And to me, it's, it's just too much at this point. My advice is enjoy the wins, understand the losses. And yes, there are going to be critical points of the game where the umpires are going to blow it. But if your excuse is the umpires in a game against the Boston Red Sox, who are at this point going to be drafting second or third, maybe in all of Major League Baseball in the June draft or July draft next year, it's enough. Honestly, it's enough. The screenshotting of this is a strike and this is a ball and look at this. We get it. We understand it. The umpires have not been good. But if you're if you're only doing that on the Marlins side, then you're not doing a disservice to any of your followers on Twitter. You're not right. doing a disservice to anybody who's following the game. I could I could have played the Red Sox side all all game yesterday if I wanted to. <laughs> but it's, but again, it'll be much more magnified in the postseason. And at that point, we certainly can look at it. But boy, do I hate seeing that sort of stuff as making excuses for why they lost based on umpire calls. There's no doubt that out of 20 losses, maybe Miami has been cost one on an umpire call or two maybe, but I can almost guarantee you we could go the other way and look at it the other side. So my advice to anybody who is, who is basically blaming the umps every time the Marlins lose Mm -hmm. or throughout the game with these screenshots of look at this, this was a strike. Look at this. This was, and then suddenly after the game, we don't hear about it anymore, you know? So, Right. Uh, just just move on, please. It was the they lost two out of three to the Red Sox. You gonna blame the yeah. Umps for that? I mean, come on, please. Yeah, and it's not it's not to downplay some of the struggles, like you mentioned at the beginning. It's not to downplay the struggles of those umpires, but but it, let's be real. This has been all across Major League Baseball. So as we do head toward the postseason, uh, and we see the Marlins try to set things up here, you've got Sixto Sanchez going today on Friday. Uh, If you look at the way that the Marlins rotation sort of sets itself out and you look at the dates of the wild card series and when that's supposed to start. And obviously this is some wishful thinking, hoping that the Marlins will actually be involved in that wild card series against San Diego. As they move things forward, it does look as though if you had the rotation set, Sixto Sanchez could start game one with a day of extra rest. Sandy Alcantara, Game 2 with a day of extra rest. Pablo Lopez, Game 3 with a day of extra rest. With the way things set up. How do you see the Marlins handling this? Yeah, and and I think that that's the way that it, it looks right now. And, and at this point, the Marlins would never discuss anything like this because they still have a long way to go and they have not... They have not really addressed the postseason at all. They're simply just focused on this one game. I mean, whoever is sending that message to them, the message is loud and clear. It's very hard on the post games and the pre games to get anyone on that club to talk about anything except for the day's game. So uh, not great for us yeah. <laughs> for what we do, but, but, but they definitely are focused on, <laughs> on, on the, on the task at hand every day. I can tell you that. And, and how that message has been heard because you, again, mm-hmm. you can't get anyone to, to say anything outside of it's this game, it's this win. You know, it's, it's the same sort of stuff over and over and and that's fine, you know. That's that's the way that it should be, I suppose. It just doesn't make for great media at at this point for for what we're trying to do. But that's that's what we will do. We'll try to make great media sure. here. Uh, look, uh, Sanchez uh, Sixto pitching on an extra day's rest, not a big hmm. deal. If that ends up being the case, that's what it appears. And then you would have Sandy pitching on an extra day's rest in game two, if if that's the way it shakes out. And then you have Pablo, I think, pitching on two extra days rest after that. 
which also could yeah. lead to potentially, and again, you don't wish this, but what would happen if Sixto or or Sandy, you know, struggled in a tight game, maybe, maybe they would pull up plug early and put Pablo in there in relief in a game one or game two situation, uh, because they're going to be that desperate at that point. I mean, it's it's all hands on deck. It's the postseason. So if they, if, if they could bring right. Pablo Lopez into a game one or game two situation as their best option and have to bullpen it in a game three, if a series is tied at one, that's what they're mm-hmm. going to do. I mean, that's that's what you see in the postseason. So. I don't have any serious concerns with that. If I was the Marlins, I would hope that they would have a spot clinched by the time they go into New York next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And whether that it's that them winning or Mm. other teams losing, that would be optimal because that, even though the games would still have some meaning, it would be more meaningful to be in the postseason. So they could then at that point start to set the roster, maybe either uh, limit the amount of pitches guys are thrown and and sort of piece that together. If they have to take this all the way up until next Sunday, that's fine too. It just wouldn't be as optimal. It it would be much better for them to have it wrapped up in in some way by the time next Friday comes along or next Saturday comes along. And that's, that's not an easy proposition to state at this point. But as we've talked about with the Nationals on deck this weekend, provided they win three out of five, which I don't think is unreasonable, and then they go to Atlanta and let's say they split, which I don't think is unreasonable, they're going to be in. They would be in at that point. Yeah. So uh, that that would be the goal, I think, for them moving forward. And, and again, that's not their focus. Maybe they talk about this behind the scenes, but certainly they don't talk to this uh, with us about it. But but it would be nice to have that because then the other thing that would be nice too, and I know it's selfish from our perspective, but it'd be great to actually have some discussion on, on the postseason <laughs> next week, right, you know, like right. it, would, it would, and, and they're yeah. not there. And I understand that. And, and I, and I totally get it. They've been through a lot. I'm trying not to push hard on these sort of questions, but next weekend it would be great to sort of map out what, what a potential plan could be, but they got a bigger task at hand. So right. this weekend. Yeah, and as the Marlins do head into this weekend, it's, it's again, five games with the Nationals. Some big ones here. They take three or four out of five, and like you said, it sets them up very well for the postseason. Uh, we have an interview coming up right here on Swings and Mishes with Jazz Chisholm. Uh, Craig, is there anything that you'd like to tell the people about Jazz or about this interview as we head into it? Yeah, I would stay for the end because we have a couple of fun stories that Jazz yeah. and I will tell. One that he and I have something in common on and a funny story that we will share. And then another uh, just before that about just what his attitude is on the field and off the field, where I think that Mm. you may be interested to hear some of the experiences that that I have seen with him at spring training. But look, Jazz is is a little bit of a work in progress. That's I think that's fair to say he had essentially no minor league time at all this year. And that speaks right. to a lot of the players that have you know, kind of gone through this with Miami. But his right now, I mean, the idea is that he's going to play a lot at second. And, and I would suppose when John Birdie comes back, he'll play some too. But he, he has earned his way here. He's I think, has for the most part made the most of the opportunity. He's, he's had some hits. He's had some misses. But I think that we can all agree defensively, no matter where you put him on the field, and I would think that late in games too, he can absolutely – become an elite defender if he's not already in major league baseball so a fun discussion Mm -hmm. we'll have with jazz and then here on our podcast again as we move into next week and then get toward the postseason 
I can assure you that we will have this covered for you every day. We'll, we'll have a podcast uh, after every game, provided they make the postseason and kind of you know roll through what I've been wanting to do for many, many years here and I think is missing from South Florida is that the in the old days I used to do uh, you know, pregame mm. shows and postgame shows on terrestrial radio and actually break down baseball games. Here's what happened in the fifth. Here's what happened in the seventh and and who did what. And and I guess we're going to recreate that here in podcast form. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> uh, the, the opportunity is there. It's it, it simply put, it doesn't exist because on right. terrestrial radio, even locally here, and for good reason, the Heat is having this epic run where mm-hmm. uh, they have captured the attention of everyone. But that shouldn't stop us from from still covering the uh, the Marlins and 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 covering what they're doing. And I certainly, from my perspective, and uh, I've covered South Florida sports here for almost twenty five years, and I'm going to make sure that this gets covered at least on my end the right way. So we'll have that coming up for you guys in a couple of weeks when when and if they make the postseason. But I am uh, thankful for those of you who have listened to us all season long. We will have one more podcast in the week next week as we head toward Mm -hmm. the weekend. And then, of course, every day that the Marlins are in the postseason, we'll put something together. I said it this morning. The Marlins are arguably the best story in sports in 2020. And yet they're arguably not the best story in this town right now. So it's a great time to be a Miami sports media member. Again, remember to like, subscribe, rate review this podcast five stars write us a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast enjoy this interview with jazz chisholm here only on swings and missions and we are pleased to have marlin's rookie jazz chisholm here on today's podcast certainly it's been a very exciting season here in 2020 as the marlins are in the postseason chase they have a big weekend coming up against the Former world champion, Washington Nationals. So we're going to break down that series and just talk about the year it has been for Jazz in the big leagues in 2020. Jazz, thanks for coming on Swings and Mishes here on my podcast. Appreciate it. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm just glad to be here. You know, I, I heard that. I know we had a lot of talks about coming on the show earlier, but I'm glad I got the chance to come now. Well, listen, you know you're always invited, and I and I hope that one day you'll invite me on your podcast. That would be a lot of fun. I don't I don't like the competing podcast, though, Jazz. I got to tell you, I mean, there, there should not be that many out there. I'm already having my own, you know, difficulties trying to build this thing here the last couple of years. I don't need you taking all my listeners away, okay? Please. I mean, my podcast is more of just, like, having fun and just talking about exciting things that's going on in my life when – me and my friends it's, it's literally one day we were me and my friends were just talking and he was like bro we should just have a podcast so i was like yeah i need to just talk about whatever is going on in my head their head and we just have fun with it okay well good i i know that a lot of that focus will be after the season too because certainly uh you're in a big postseason chase here uh for the first time in 17 years jazz the marlins are, are on the doorstep here of potentially making the postseason uh, I, I do want to circle back, though, uh, to the, the time that was probably very difficult for you and the club, seeing all of the big leaguers uh, go down, 18 players on the big league roster go down with COVID-19. I, and I believe, Jazz, that you had your own issues with that as well. Uh, so I would guess that this has been a challenging year, both on the major league level and even the minor league level. And you saw it uh, over in Jupiter as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, coming back to summer camp, uh, spring training 2.0, uh, 
I came back and I wasn't able to get into it until two to three weeks after they already started because I had my little mis miscues with the coronavirus. And yeah, I mean, it was really tough to see the team go down because we started off so hot and we expected to just keep on riding that wave just like how we're doing now, you know, we're just riding our wave and doing our thing and having fun out there. And we're gonna keep winning games because we're just built like that and we're built like a family. Yeah, and, and, and I think that that's been expressed a lot by a lot of the club, by a lot of the players in the team, just what kind of uh, family that you guys have here. And, uh, you know, certainly, uh, again, uh, Jazz, when when you saw that essentially, and, and it is, you know, it's, it's a brotherhood right now on this team. I, I think that's, you know, really obvious the way that you guys have approached this. But, Jazz, when you saw 18 of your friends, 18 of your uh, teammates, 18 of your brothers go down with this, did you ever think that there would be a rebound to the degree that what we've seen, where arguably it's the best story in baseball this year, and the fight that you guys have shown, and the energy that you guys have shown, I, I think most people, Jazz, would have said, it's okay if the Marlins don't make the postseason. It's okay if this goes the other way. But there just was never that mentality. Um, Craig, with us, we never had that mentality. Even when guys went down, we we were still, we never gave gave up. It's it's never going to happen with the Marlins. We are never going to give up. No matter if we're down 20, it doesn't matter if we're down one, zero, or we're up five, we're still going to keep on adding on. And we're going to push together as a team. When the guys went down, we all said like, hey, whoever goes up there, you guys have their backs. And if it was me, anybody else, we all said, hey, we're going to have our guys backs because there's no, it's, there's no like, we're not quitting ever. So there's no quitting us. All we have is fight. And we, we expected to be where we're at today because we'd never seen, seen it in a way that, oh, some guys went down, we're going to start losing. No, we've seen it as some guys went down and the rest of us are going to step up. Now, now, Jazz, for that to happen, before we get back to yourself, for, for that to happen on a big league roster, you have to have players who are leading and you have to have players that lead by example in that clubhouse. You saw it certainly when you got your opportunity in spring training 1.0. You're seeing it now as you're back here in 2.0 and playing in the regular season. Jazz, is it fair to say that one of the main reasons why this is what it is because of the leaders there? And, and if you could potentially share that experience of seeing who is is leading the charge for you guys at this point? Because certainly, Jazz, there's, there's no argument here. You're a very young player. You're getting your first opportunity. There have to be people that you're leaning on at this point. Um, When I came up, it's basically I'm leaning on everybody. Everybody who's a vet that's been here for years before, some of the younger guys, and all those vet, all those veterans are just helping us get better every day. And it's not just one guy. It's, it's, it's everybody. It's not just Miggy Rowe, Jesus Aguilar, Corey Dixon, Matt Joyce, those guys. It's it's all of our vets. Like we all like I said, we are all together and like it's not any one guy doing one thing. We push together as a family, we push together as a team. So everything we do is is basically everybody comes together and we do it together. Hey Jazz, it's Jeremy here. Uh 
you know, the Marlins last made the playoffs 17 years ago. I think you were, what, three or four years old. But on top of being sort of the child on this team, you do bring a somewhat childlike enthusiasm to playing baseball. There's always a smile on your face. It's something I've noticed since uh, getting to interact with you a bit during spring training. And I was wondering sort of where that that enthusiasm and passion for the game comes from because you see it in different ways in different guys. Some guys are fiery when they're out there. Some guys are sort of quiet. You're boisterous. You've got the sour patch kids in the dugout. I'm wondering, you know, have you always been that type of personality and why do you choose to bring that type of personality to the game? Um, I mean, just like Craig said earlier, the guys up here that are vets are going to help you and help you see like that you be you. And I'm just happy to say like the, the guys here, the veterans here, they're, they're great guys and they just, they tell you and they inspire you and they push you to be yourself instead of you being someone else. So like, I'm really happy I get to show who I am because they believe in me and they trust that who I am is, is gonna help us look good in every way. And it's not gonna like do anything to affect us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, uh, Jazz, let's spend a little bit of time on you and then let's get back to the team. So you get called up and, and you make your major league debut. Uh, every player who's made their major league debut this year, Jazz, has made it without their family in the stands. And and I know that you're you know certainly uh, very close with your entire family. Um, w- was that tough, not having them there? Was it... Uh, was it was it okay for you? And, and every player has a different experience as to how that went, whether they're texting or calling after or, or that sort of experience. So if you wouldn't mind sharing yours. Um, it, it was kind of tough for me, you know. Uh, I, I am a huge family guy. Uh, me and my family are really close. Even though I have a super big family, we are super close. Like every Sunday we'll see each other. It's not going weeks and months without seeing my family. So like it's... It was really tough not to to keep a promise that I that I gave to them when I was younger when I signed my first professional contract that when I make it to the big leagues that everybody was going to be there and all that stuff it was kind of tough but hey we're going through tough times right now and some people have to make some sacrifices for things to go the right way and I I don't mind making a sacrifice for us to go and win a championship and the other sacrifice that you've made, and, and certainly it's it's next man up everywhere, Jazz, but you're you're projected in the big leagues as a shortstop and and you're being asked to play second base right now. And I think from a baseball perspective, most would say that's an easier position to play. Uh, Jazz, I've seen you play in the minors and I've seen you play in the majors. I have no doubt that you can play that uh, position defensively uh, without question. But was there any transition at all for you going from short to second? And, and did you get any time at the alternate site at second? Um, yeah, I got I got about a week or and a half before getting called up to play a little bit of second base and work on some things over there before I got called up. Um, on the transition side of it, when I got over there, uh, it is kind of different because the angle looks different, especially when you've been playing shortstop all your life and probably only had, I think I only had one inning at second base in my career before before I got to the big leagues. So, uh, I mean, it was kind of tough at first, but like I told others and I'm gonna keep saying it, if, if you trust yourself 
on defense and you feel like you know how to play defense, you should be able to, to move to any position on the infield and feel the ground ball, you know what I mean? Um, it, it, like I said, it's difficult at first because you got to see a different swing and how the ball comes off the bat at a different angle. But after you get that down pack, man, it's, it's all money from there. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you get a hit, uh, any hits off Sixto Sanchez at the alternate site, Jazz? Any? Zero? One? Two? Many. <laughs> <laughs> Many? Wow. Every time he pitched, I probably got four at-bats off of Sixto every time he pitched in, at the alternate site. So I at least had one. Every four at-bats, I'll have at least one to two. Okay. All right. Uh, is he better now than he was at the alternate site? He's on track maybe to win rookie of the year. He looks like one of the best pitchers in baseball, Jazz. I, I will tell you this, and I told Sixto this uh, at the alternate site, and I told him this after the first day I saw him pitch when I got called up. Uh, so every time me and him faced each other, it was like, it was like the most fierce battle you'll ever see in alternate site. It was just, it was just like two guys competing just because we know, like, hey, I, 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 I want to get you, and it was just a lot of fun and brotherly competition and. After like my first game seeing him up here and I was like, bro, like I'm not trying to predict nothing, bro, but maybe like some Pedro Martinez, some Jose Fernandez. Like I was literally like, man, you are gross, bro. Like I'm I'm a person that faces you and like I'm I don't really have a have trouble facing him and he knows that he knows like I'm comfortable against him in the box. But like when I see him pitch, even when he's pitching against me, I still see it. Like I see how great he is. Like he's not a good player. He's a great player already. And he's going to shine and he's going to be that guy in the big yeah. league. Yeah. And, and we're, we're seeing that now, Jazz. And I think that's why people are so excited because if you guys are fortunate enough, I know that getting ahead of this is not something the club is doing, but as media members, it's what we do. But if the club does make the postseason, uh, to see potentially Sixto Sanchez on a mound in the postseason for game one or game two or even uh, game three of any series is is something that uh, Marlins fans haven't had the pleasure of doing in 17 years. So that's certainly a big deal for them. Uh, okay, let, let's uh, let's close it out on a couple of funny things that people don't know, and I do and you do. So uh, a couple of things here. Um, the f- the first is is that, and I want people to know this. This is important for me because I have a young son, and and he is eight years old. And we go to spring training and we have the opportunity, of course, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, around the ballpark and, and being at spring training 1.0. And, and we left spring training 1.0 with essentially, um, you know, my son. And, you know, he's certainly a big Marlins fan. Uh, but to see, Jazz, how you interact with fans takes me back to when I was a kid. And I was a, a youngster chasing down players and trying to get autographs and trying to get pictures. Uh, Jazz, I, I have never seen a player like you who stops for every single fan. And, and I don't even know how you're getting to your field on time because of the amount of time that you spend doing this. Where did you, you, you had to have some sort of upbringing to, to be able to do that with fans because to me, it, it's what made me a fan of you, watching you interact, not just with my son, but, but also interact with all of the fans that are there. Um, so for me, uh, I, remember, I remember my first professional baseball game I went to. I think it was a Hooks game, a double-A Hooks game. I don't know if they're still in double-A or not. 
Mm-hmm. But it was hooks, I remember that. And we were watching the hooks play, and I went and I caught a foul ball. And I asked, I think I was on a like a baseball trip, a summer ball trip. I was like 10, eight, eight to 10, something or somewhere around there. And I caught a foul ball and I asked one of the guys to sign it and he didn't stop. And I have, I have like a few instances with guys that didn't stop. And I mean, we could get into that later, but uh, <laughs> this guy didn't stop. And my first thought is, I thought was like, I would never do that to a kid because that could crush his dreams. You know, I'd never do that to anybody. Like, I feel like if you're there to watch me, that means you believe in me. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't I mind like stopping for you? You know, like if you ask me to stop for you, I'm probably going to stop unless I don't have any time left. And most of the times I get out there 30 minutes before the game. So I could at least sign for 10 to 15 minutes, get as much guys out of there as I can. And then have at least 10 minutes to stretch on the line before the game but um I just I always had that because like I told I told my grandma about it and everybody else about it and it was it was kind of like a thing for me to always do that especially the other experience with it but I'm not gonna bring that up yeah no I understand And, and it's and it's fair because you know when I think about it and and certainly the CEO of the team Derek Jeter uh, you know, arguably one of the greatest players in the history of the game and also one of the greatest signers in the history of the game. Always stopped for people uh, every single game, before the game, after the game. Mike Trout, another player, Jazz, who was exactly the same way. And you would think with all of, of what they do, you could honestly say, how do they even have the time? They shouldn't have the time. But to see you carrying that torch on uh, at such a young age to me is very impressive. And I wanted to bring that up here on the show. Now, let's get to what happened with you and I in, in, uh, in February here, because uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what happened here, Jazz, but I thought I was doing you a favor. For people that don't know, I've never told this story before, but I figured let's, let's just have some fun and end it with this. Uh, in, back in February, I get a direct message from Jazz Chisholm on Twitter asking me if I'd be willing to help promote his new sneaker company. And I said, wow, yeah, I mean, I, this is odd because I'm an old man over here. Who, who, who would ever want to buy kicks from me? And I said, yeah, sure, Jazz, you're a nice young man. I'm happy to do it. What do you want to do? Okay, well, you know, spring training, we'll hook it up, and, you know, you'll put them on and take pictures and the whole thing. Click this link, and, uh, yeah, you'll be in. And, boy, was I stupid, Jazz. Was I dumb because we both got hacked by the same dude. Well, how, I mean, how did this happen? Exactly. The same exact thing happened to me. Like, my boy, it was, like, from my boy's account, and he was just like, hey, yo, like, hey, would you mind, like, helping me and, like, going and subscribing or something on my, on my, like, shoe company? And I was like, you starting a shoe company, so you sending me some kicks or what? And <laughs> like, yeah, I'll send you some kicks, you know, I'll text you, just click that link sign up for this and then you're good. And I was like, all right, bro, I trust you. So like, it was like a close friend of mine. So it's like, I trust you. So I got you. I go there and then I go to log in my, into my Twitter and it's gone. And I'm just like, hold on, what? <laughs> Let me check yeah. this. And then I went to my, my friend and I was like, did you send me a DM? 
He's like, no, I would have just texted you. What are you talking about? And I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a very unpleasant time to think that we both got taken by the same guy. I guess he got in in yours and then said, let me find somebody with a lot of followers. And then he, he got in mine. Needless to say, I never got any kicks out of the whole thing. And and it and it, it the good news is is that uh, it all resolved itself and it worked itself out. But the reason why I bring this up on the on on swings and misses today is for a couple of reasons. First of all, we can look back on it now, Jazz. I think and I uh, as funny at the time it was not, but it is definitely a very good cautionary tale, and that's why I want to bring it up here for those people who are on Twitter, social media. Never click a link. Like that's just the bottom line. Never click a link without asking somebody uh, what it is, who it is, all of that, because I think it's important not just for people like me who are just out there in the media, but also any if you are a fan of any player or anything like that, you always have to make sure that you are protected for sure. Uh, okay, so uh, let's let's end with this one, Jazz. Now that we've gotten off the funny, let's get back to one more serious here. There is a little bit over a week left in the Major League Baseball season, and you and the Miami Marlins are chasing down this postseason spot. What is the message that fans should know, that fans should hear, that is coming from this clubhouse right now as you guys chase this down? The message that I think fans should hear is that we will not give up until the end. We're not stopping, and we're not going to panic we're going to go through and we're going to fight and see this to the end until we win a World Series. And we're going to bring a championship back to Miami. Well said, Jazz. Thank you so much for coming on. Swings and Mishes, really appreciate it. I'll look forward to that invitation on, on your podcast at some point. And of course, you could follow Jazz on Twitter. Uh, his podcast link certainly is there. And once the season is over, I'm sure he'll be diving a lot more into that. Thank you again, Jazz. And congratulations on the call-up and the success of you and the club. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, man.